This is the first episode of Solid Food, and this will be the most interesting moment, hour in your life thus far. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So I am launching a podcast. It's going to be called Solid Food. So why am I launching this podcast? Who, who the heck am I? And that's what we'll be discussing. I'm Christina Caramo, and now it's time. Solid Food, where we discuss all things in Christian apologetics, culture, and politics. So, I'm Christina Carmel, as I just mentioned. Why am I doing this? Well, I am from the metro Detroit area. I'm a general music lover. I just like adventure in general. As long as it's not sinful or illegal, I'm all down for it. Or not too dangerous. I'm still okay. I'm not going to look at people that like dive through air, air dive through the mountains, like squirrel diving or something. I'm good all that. But so, you know, this podcast will be discussing all things in Christian apologetics, culture and politics. And those three topics are so important to me. So if I was going to define myself before getting into this is why you should listen to me, I would call myself a Christian apologist and a general social critic. Yeah. You know, the funny thing about it is like sometimes when you go places and they're like, well, what do you call yourself? What's your official title? And I'm just like, I don't know, Christina. You know, I, I'm one of those people. Naturally, I kind of hate boxes. I feel like it's very annoying. Like, why do we have to put labels? Why can't we just be? Well, that is its life. <laughs> we need labels to some extent to identify them, identify things. A label shouldn't be a box. It should just help with understanding. That's the difference that I like labels for, but I won't get off into that whole thing. So the the one label I carry is as a Christian apologist. Now, a Christian apologist is a person who defends the Christian faith against objections. It's an integral part of evangelism. When you're dealing with certain people, they have different, when you're dealing with people, every person has a different reason why they reject the Christian faith. Um, some people just, they feel like it doesn't work for me. Uh, why should I believe it? A lot of religions make claims. Why should I believe this one over the others? We get into those types of things. or And also we get into specific objections people have. Like, how can I trust the Bible? Uh, I heard the Council of Nicaea, where they have been a Christianity, like one of the biggest lies perpetuated, but I won't get up into that today. Well, how do I know Jesus really rose from the dead? Why should I believe in God? Like, why? How can there be a God in all this evil? Why would God send people to hell? You know, we deal with that. Now, you also have people who have other real objections, like they've had church hurt, as we call it, um, all types of things. Uh, I feel like evolution, uh, Darwinian evolution, has put a big dent in the popularity of the Christian faith in America. Or not, she's a pop. When I say popularity, I mean as far as people gravitating to it because they've been told that, hey, you evolved from a monkey. You came from a monkey body. You know, and then it's like the Bible says, no, God made Adam. And then he put Adam into a deep sleep and then opened his side, took his part, one of his ribs and made Eve. And when he saw her, he said, woman, I'm going to call you woman. You know, that's what Adam said. Right? So we have this entire narrative in the Bible of how human beings came to be. But then we send our kids to school and we say, no, go trust your teacher. Your teacher knows everything. 
And the kid goes to trust the teacher, and the teacher's like, oh, no, no. Yeah, that's that's nice that your parents told you at church, but let me tell you what really happened. You came from a monkey. And so when when the kid hears that, they're like, well, my parents told me to trust my teacher, and who would I believe? And so when they go to their pastor or their parent, and they ask these questions, they're like, no, that's just... Well, I don't know. And then and if the parent says, well, that's probably, yeah, the Bible's just telling us things through, you know, just allegory to help. Because people were primitive at the time, and that's how they understood things, right? And so if the, if they, if the parent is teaching the kid or telling the kid, then, then the kid's going, okay, well, what else in the Bible is fanciful? What else in the Bible is make-believe? And it creates this whole downward spiral of the person just like, you know, what well, this whole thing is ridiculous. So there's this guy, and there's this guy, and then his son, so God has a son, and he came and died for my sins like this is just oh, okay so they walk away from the faith so it's so many different reasons and then you got just stone cold hedonism which is our america's biggest problem it's just like we're just a bunch of hedonists so it's, it's so many different reasons so in in, sh in short that's essentially what christian apologists we do we answer objections to the christian faith i do have a little bit of training i did graduate recently from biola university pretty still excited about that got my master's in christian apologetics so i got a little training so i'm not just coming out of nowhere so and, and i read every day in fact if i don't have it near me i won't get up but i want to interrupt the video but i have a, a book i'm reading right now um it's called return of the new age i think it's called i have to look again but it's by a guy named steve bankhart and he um is he also does Christian apologetics. And, it, and the thing about it is with Christian apologetics, there's people, he has a website called uh, Reasons for Jesus, and there's different subgroups in apologetics. So he focuses really heavily on the new age movement and answering objections from a new age person's perspective and refuting their claims. So I'm reading that book right now. So I'm like reading all the time um, to learn more information. I just got finished um, reading Melissa Kane Travis's book, Mind of the Maker. Really great book. Um, I hope to do book reviews once a week. That's another thing I'm, I'm looking forward to doing the podcast, the podcast, because you have to keep learning. Like one of my teachers um, at Viola told us the best apologetics is good theology. The number one book you have to read is the Bible, of course. But in addition to that, other people get delving into cultural topics and things that are happening specifically in our society that are being are, have become barriers for people to come to the Christian faith. And I like to continue reading their books. So I read one uh, by Melissa Kane Travis. She was dealing with how we can infer from scientific investigation that we were designed by an intelligent being. And then this book I'm reading now is dealing with the new age, which is becoming increasingly popular, which I always spend a lot of time talking about that because I'm noticing many people are getting into like Yoruba and voodoo and Santeria and all these different things because they simply it's a lot of reasons, but for many people, I'm finding that they, one, they're looking for a feeling, like God is not a feeling, or two, they simply want to be hedonists. I hate to say it like that, but that's what I'm really observing. So Christian apologists, we get into all that. Um, and the reason why I call myself also a social critic, because I'm, honey, I'm always watching. <laughs> I'm always watching what's going on all the time. It's always something, it's always something crazy happening. It's like you can't stop. It's like a it's like a train wreck. You just you don't want to watch, but you can't look away. And so, um, and and social critic, I I marry those two in discussion of culture and politics, because you know everything is a downstream of culture, and that's a, a, a phrase I've heard a lot of people say, but it's really true. And um, culture to me is really a manifestation of thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes. And to put it simply, like I live in, like I said, I live in the Detroit area. I won't tell you what city I live in. Don't want any crazy people stalking me. 
No, I'm kidding. But uh, I'm serious. So nevertheless, um, I live in the Detroit area. And in Michigan, like our fruits are like cherries and apples. And I can't wait because it's almost September. I get to go pick apples. All right. So we have a lot of apples, right? That's our one of our big fruits in our state. So apple pies are very popular. Well, culture is a manifestation of thoughts, beliefs, and attitudes. So what are the origins of those thoughts? So you get these thoughts and then these thoughts come into manifestation. Why did I bring up apples? Well, because apples are what's available to us, apple pie is going to be a really popular thing in our state. Now, that's not to say that in America, apple pie isn't popular in other states. I know we're not the only state to grow apples, but apples and cherries are a fruit staple for us. So, of course, in our area, that's going to be a popular uh, a popular dessert that's going to be made based on what resources we have available. So, depending upon the resources, whether that's information, whether that's food, whether that's instruments, whatever it may be, what based on your resources, you take those resources and they manifest into something. So like with apples, they manifest into apple pie. Okay. Um, I, I'm not to say that pumpkin isn't popular in South Florida um, because of transport, but I'm it's not like a staple there. You think of for like key lime pie, you know, you think of that from Key West, Florida, or you think of other things, oranges, you know, or even California with oranges. Georgia's known for their peaches and watermelons. So every state has their thing, okay? Or you think of like um, New England, like New England clam chowder, or like Maryland, they're big in like uh, their uh, crabs and lobsters. So Every area has different food that's popular. So like in the New England state, you got clams and things of that nature and lobster. And you think of certain states like Maryland, they have things that are popular there. So every state, every region, even like a pizza, you know, you have Chicago style pizza, which is like the super thick, thick crust. And you have Detroit style pizza, which is kind of like a, it's, it's hard to, it's a thicker crust. It's not quite like a pie. You have New York style, which is thin style. So you guys get where I'm going. Every region and everything has their own base, their, their own thing they're pulling from that creates this unique culture. So, you know, when we think of culture, we think of just like dance, the movies, art, food. And that, that's part of culture, but there's so many other layers of culture. So that will determine our taste. So if you take someone, say, from Georgia, they're going to like more like peach pie. They're going to like peach cobbler. That's say people here don't like it. That's going to be really popular. Where for us here, apple pie is extremely popular. All kind of pumpkin things are extremely popular because that's what's available to us. I think you guys get what I'm saying, right? So if the source of our culture is Christ, then the thing we're pulling for God, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying for the sake of the, the sentence, that if what we're pulling from for the source of our culture is Christ, the downstream is going to be healthy in every area of our society. But when we turn from Christ and the source for our culture is other things, it's going to create a toxic society. Ooh, that moved from pie to crazy society. Very interesting. Yeah, so that's essentially what's going on. So our culture has become very toxic. Excuse me. And, and so we, we are moving away from God further and further. And it's producing all these negative effects in our culture. And also we're turning to other things to be the source of our manifestation. 
um, movies, music, entertainment, science, um, some people Satanism, it means there's all kinds of different things, um, environmentalism, it's all kinds of things that are a source for truth, and there has to be a ground zero for truth, okay, so like for food, yeah, I love food, okay, maybe you could tell, Okay, <laughs> so our ground zero for food, I mean, for food is going to be whatever grows. It's what's available to us. So even though now we live in this modern society where we import food, we travel, so our taste of what we like has expanded because we have access to more foods. Like not, oh, my favorite food is pineapples. Okay, I live in Michigan and my favorite food is pineapples. Okay, pineapples don't grow anywhere around here. However, Still, for most for most part of human history, the 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 foods that grew lo grew locally to you will be the source. It's the source because based on what grows in the area. So when you live in an area where you're taught, hey, or you go to a school, or you live in a home where you taught to follow Christ, you know, Christ is the only way. That's going to be the source for your understanding of the world and how you interact with the world. Just like if pot, if apples grow locally to me, that's going to be a major staple in my diet. But if you live in a culture like we do now, where it's like, oh, that Jesus, I mean, he's he's a nice guy. He's a, he's a nice guy. But really, um, it's more about having fun and it's too restrictive. And I don't want to be told to do things I don't want to do. You know, so that's essentially what's going on in our society as we speak. And so they're looking to self to be the source. That's one of the reasons why the New Age movement is so popular. So it's, it's having a downstream impact on our culture. So that's why that's so important. And that element of myself calling, considering myself a social critic. Um, and then politics. Oh, my God. Why? And, and, and the thing about it is, as a Christian, you get a lot of criticism where people say, well, you shouldn't be getting into politics. We're only supposed to focus on the gospel. Well, my main concern is the gospel. But depending on the politics of the area, it can dictate how easy or how hard it is to spread a gospel, i.e. China. China. Okay. In the people, the, the People's Republic of China. Okay. The Chinese government is very hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, China is a communist nation, um, and they're not 100% like North Korea. They're kind of like a mixture, but they're the way they govern, they permit capitalism as far as an economic system, but their structure of how socially it is organized is very communistic, okay? And so in China, you can't just go grab your Bible and start preaching the gospel. Buddy, that's not going to happen. You can't do it. Why? Because of the way their government is structured and operates. Well, in the United States of America, I can grab my Bible and stand anywhere I please as long as it's not private property, and I can proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. I can say I hate the president. I can say anything. Now, if you go to China and Xing Shangpi, hopefully I said his name correct, and you stand on the corner and say you hate him, buddy, you're probably going to get a bullet to the head. So depending on who's in power, that dictates so much of your life. There is not a part of your life that politics does not dictate. Where you can park your car. Now, some of you, so I'm talking to you right now, you look beautiful people, you. You cannot park your car on certain sides of the street in your neighborhood. There's only one side of the street you can park on. You know what I'm talking about? You do. You do. Even if you go to your downtown area, some places there is a meter. Some places there are no meters. Some places the meters run on Sunday. Some places the meters do not run on Sunday and holidays. All that's determined by the local government. How much you pay in taxes? Do you have to send your kids to school? 
I am, guess what? I'm crazy. I'm an anti-vaxxer. I don't believe in vaccinations. Okay? Now, some of you are going to go, oh my God, I can't believe that. Go spread disease. Very quick, and I'll get back to my point. It's not that I'm against inoculation. I just don't like a lot of the chemicals and the other things that are added to the vaccines and the lack of oversight, which makes me not trust the vaccines that we are currently administering. However, the concept of inoculation, it just makes sense and it works. However, there's a lot of other things going on, which is why I do not trust the current vaccine industry. Now, why am I talking about that? I'm talking about it because based on where you live, you have the right to say, guess what, Caesar? You're not vaccinating my kids. Not happening. Well, if you live in places like New York, well, you got a bit of a fight. So who's in power dictates everything as regarding to our earthly condition and what you are up against? When I, I changed that fully because God dictates everything ultimately, but he gives humans free will and and... As a Christian, the fact that I live in a nation where I can boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, yeah, that's important to me. Should be to you, too. Guess what? You're going to die. Yep, one day, folks, that's amazing. You're going to die. And it's important for us to spread that good news. That way people can escape the judgment and wrath that we all deserve, which is hell. Okay? Now, some of you might be offended by that. Like, I'm a good person. I am not going to go to hell. Oh, folks. No, you're not. You're not a good person. But we will get into that another day. You are terrible. You are terrible. Okay? And you tell me, I'm a good person. No, you're not. No, you're not. But again, we'll get into that um, maybe later today. Because actually, that's a really to a topic I like talking about. You're like, well, I feel like talking about hell. Because I want people to know that it, it makes sense. It does, even logically. Like, if you sit back, and, and when I say sit the Bible aside, I don't want to get, someone to get angry and say, we never sit the Bible aside. Of course we never sit the Bible aside. But I'm talking about for the sake of the conversation. I don't, I, it just is logical. What the scripture is saying is logical, and I'm just explaining to you the logic behind it. It's, it's not that I'm saying that somehow my conclusion is, is you don't need the Bible because you just need to listen to me. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that there's a logical argument or a logical case that can be made for what's said in scripture and and you can totally get it when you think about it this way that's what that's what i mean when i say if we sit the bible aside not that we're literally like let's ignore what the word of god says i would never say such blasphemy okay but nevertheless with politics um the, the if i can't spread the gospel that means that's people who aren't hearing the fact that they need jesus christ so that is a perfect example of why politics is politics is important um, and I identify as conservative. Um, I'm strongly pro-life. And, and it's amazing to me how people who are just so up in arms about everything sit by and support the systematic slaughter of millions of children. I believe it's like 65 million babies have been aborted since 1973. That's crazy. In 2019, I believe 43 million babies were aborted worldwide. It's like we are literally slaughtering human beings and in and, 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 and like, not many people care. And it's funny how when you really think about it, you know, many of the people who just pearl clutch, like our founding fathers had slaves, oh, you know, and will sit there and champion abortion till they're blue in the face. And it's like, you hypocrite, you are worse than these people. At least a slave survived. I'm evidence of that. Those babies are dead. They die a painful death. 
they can feel it, you know, and it's just like, it's such a, they're so delusional. It's because just like with slaves, slaves weren't seen as people. Black people weren't seen as fully human. So if you're not really a person, mistreating you isn't a big deal. And then some of the people recognize they were persons, but they, it's just greed. You know, a lot of people try to romanticize slavery. Like they saw that we were divine beings and like, shut up. It was about money. Well, it's about money. I mean, humans been in, have been enslaving each other each other for thousands of years. I mean, this, this is, yeah, like a, it just suddenly in 1619, slavery began in the world. Like, people are, and, and Jesus didn't caught my tongue. Jesus didn't caught my tongue. Because I will say something not so Christ-like. But people need to pay attention and, and, and look at world history. Now, why am I saying that? That people have a tendency to dehumanize people they want to mistreat. And in the abortion industry, people dehumanize little babies because they're not, they're not really people. So you can justify killing them because if you recognize their humanity, then killing them makes you feel a little uncomfortable because you just killed the baby, your baby, you know? So it, it makes people feel extremely uncomfortable. So they don't, they just I pretend it's not really human. And, and, and that's what I'm talking about. So politics is important because we have to save these babies. We have to save the babies. And, and it's a serious matter. And I mean, to me, I, I just, I personally feel that, and again, I am not speaking for God. I am not a prophet. Okay. So I will never sit there and postulate myself as such, but I strongly believe because in America, um, always had considered itself to be a Christian nation. I believe the civil war was a form of judgment. I believe that I am not speaking for God. I am not speaking on behalf of God. That's my personal opinion because you cannot be a Christian nation and get involved in trading people like property for free labor. That is morally reprobate. However, I strongly believe that America will face judgment for the sin of abortion. I do. Now, I am not God. Again, I am not speaking on behalf of God. I am not speaking in the office of a prophet. Just so we're clear, you can't say, I heard Christina prophesy. No, I will not try to prophesy. I'm just saying what I think. That's what I think. Because it is the most egregious thing to sit and murder the little people. And like, they don't count. Like, God's all right with that. You're out of your mind. No, you're in your carnal flesh. Now, as I mentioned before, the sin of child sacrifice is nothing new either. Humans have been sacrificing humans especially their own children, thousands of years. It's just packaged differently. Um, if you read scriptures, um, people were sacrificing their kids to Molech. And see, in like ancient societies, when they sacrificed their children, they were sacrificing them to these deities, which were really demons. Okay, you know, Greek pantheon, those are demons. I will talk about that a different day. But they would sacrifice their their children to these demons, the, their gods, in hopes of wealth, money, um, for agricultural benefits. Maybe they felt like uh, their their land was going to be more prosperous. Whatever they wanted, health, whatever whatever they felt that these gods were going to give them, they which were again were demons. But they would sacrifice their kids um, to them, and that's what they did. Now, if you fast forward now, that's a, that's the same thing people are doing with abortion. They're just sacrificing their child to the God of self. That's all. They're just sacrificing their kid to the God of self. If I kill my baby, I can get a better job. I can do this more. I don't have to be bothered down. I can make more money. I can live freely. So you're sacrificing your kid to the God of self. Folks, all this stuff is determined in politics. Like in New York, in New York, you can get an abortion to birth. So you can be 38 weeks, 39 weeks, 
and kill the baby. That is wicked. Know the way to slice it, dice it, explain it. And let me make this very clear. Let me make this very clear. As though I criticize abortion as the murderous practice it is, many people listening here have had an abortion. Uh, many of you men listening have paid for abortions. In fact, many of you have had several. Remember that Jesus forgives you. If you have repented, he remembers your sin no more. Let me make that very clear. Because a lot of people get really sensitive. Like, you're making a mockery of men and women, you know. No, no, no. I will, and I will, this is just my personality. Some of you, I would say, see the Holy Spirit caught my tongue. Holy Spirit caught my tongue. And there are people who simply don't care. They treat their body like a death factor. They do. They treat abortion like birth control. I would just, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Kill it. You know, there's people like that. They don't care. You know, but there are people out there who have had abortions, who sincerely regret them. And guess what? Jesus forgives you. Jesus forgives you. So my ire is not towards women who've had abortions. I, mean, I don't care if you had 20. If you came before Christ and said, Lord, forgive me, guess what? He, for, he forgave you. So who am I to sit here and look down on you? My ire is towards people who are currently advocating for it. And I'm not going to repeat that every time I criticize abortion either because I feel like it's unnecessary because I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the practice and the politicians who are pushing. I'm talking about abortion advocates. Abortion advocates, oh, yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to get dinged. I'm going to call you out, and it's not going to be nice. But individual women who've had them or men who pay for them, I seek not to call you names or to say you're a wet, bad person. I feel all of us are evil, actually, in our nature as humans. So you're not unique to that, okay? Um, but how our wickedness manifests is different from person to person. So I just want to make that very clear from at episode zero in my introduction that I'm not looking to say if you had an abortion, you're an evil person. No, the practice of abortion is evil. But if you are a person who's advocating for it and pushing it, mm, you got some deep wickedness in you, honey. And that's just really the truth. And you need to repent for that because you're complicit in the murder of innocent people. And God hates hands that shed innocent blood. And we'll all stand before God one day for everything that you do. And if you're advocating for abortion, if you haven't repented for your abortion, um, yeah. That's something you got to talk to God about. You know how people say, well, don't judge. That's another thing I want to talk about one episode. The don't judge crowds. I'll be judging. Okay, you know what, sweetie? God judges, and guess what? That should scare you, because mm -hmm, God's going to judge. So I can't, and that's not my job, but God does, and when he does, for some folks, it's not going to be a pretty situation. So that should factor into what you say and do, and believe. So politics played a major role in all of that. Um, all kind, And I will get off into other stuff as far as our rights as Americans, uh, Marxism, you know, some people are like, you're always talking about Marxism, Christina. <laughs> because Marxism is rising to power more and more. You think of groups like Black Lives Matter. Like, their founder literally said to a couple of them, were we were trained in the Marxist tradition. Like, boo, you're Marxist. Go to your website. You got a song called Marxist. Ain't nothing. No person who calls themselves Christian should be running around hollering out Black Lives Matter. The phrase itself, Black Lives Matter, is not problematic for me. I'm not. And I get the analogy people use. You know, some people are like, we should say Black Lives Matter, All Lives Matter. I really don't care, to be quite frank, because I, the analogy actually makes sense. And don't cut your pearls, my fellow conservative friends, but it makes sense. You know, um, um, it's like if my house is on fire, and somebody gives me the analogy, it makes sense. My house is on fire. Yours isn't. 
and I'm calling, help me, help my house. And you go, well, what about my house? And you're like, but your house is mine. Mine's burning down. That analogy, it makes sense to me, okay? But I think because the term Black Lives Matter has been politicized, that many people are upset with the phrase in general when they hear it. I mean, I, I really don't care. Say it, more power to you. But guess what? The problem, the phrase itself isn't the issue. The issue is the organization. And people running around, putting up their signs. You got the NBA who is just trash. WNBA, who watches them? And I'm a former female basketball player, by the way. But all of them are their Black Lives Matter. This is a Marxist organization who wants to... Oh, I just realized my glasses are crooked. Uh-oh, that happens. Live on TV. No, live on, on camera. But um, they want to dismantle the nuclear family. What does that have to do with police brutality? nothing at all you know they're a marxist organization and marxism necessarily is atheistic so if you're a christian talking about black lives matter like i had saw this video online and i'm a pretty silly person and i saw this video online of these people um they were singing black lives matter no just no peace to like a gospel tune. they were like at a church they're like black lives matter black lives matter no just no peace no just no peace and i am sitting here like what in the foolery is this like this is just nonsense you know and people are so caught up in the phrase that they do not realize the nefarious group and that's a really common tactic you guys have to when you're dealing with psyops oh yeah there's psyops psychological warfare psychological operations when you're dealing with psyops like that um it's 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 one of the best things to do is give it a noble sounding name because when people criticize it, it's like, so you're against, so you don't believe Black Lives Matter? And the person's like, no, 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 I do believe Black Lives Matter. I'm just, no, don't, uh, no, don't, we're not doing that. So what you do is you give it a, a noble sounding name. That way when pre people criticize Black Lives Matter, the opposition goes, see, they're just a bunch of racists. They don't care about Black people. They're against Black Lives Matter. No, the problem is the organization. Any organization bringing Marxism needs to be smashed with a fist. Boom! It has to be. Because Marxism is, is evil. Just read Karl Marx's book, Communist Manifesto. Just read it. You ain't got to take my word from it. Go to the primary source. Read the book. Then... You have absolutely no reason. If you call yourself a Christian, or even if you don't, you got common sense. Why would you want to give away your private property? Why would you want to dismantle nuclear family structures and there all this? We're going to dismantle nuclear. We're going to get rid of cisgendered and heteronormativity. Listen, 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 Linda. Listen, Linda. It's like this. No person should be mistreated. I don't care what you do with your life. What you do, that is your business. That's between you and God. But however, how we structure society it's a whole nother ball game. The way we structure our society with heteronormativity, heteronormativity and cisgender normativity, which Black Lives Matter wants to destroy. That's another reason why I can't understand any Christian who want to support a group like that. Like God designed a human family. And this group wants to come along and smash how God designed a human family. And you call yourself a Christian back in them? Who is your God? I guess your blackness is. Or your deluded desire for uh, feeling like a good person. And I'm anti-racist. You know, like white fragility you know if you're one in that camp you know then your god is your deluded identity 
and your deluded view of your own self-righteousness. But for any group to want to attack the human family, that is cancer. You know, um, that is wickedness at the highest court. The human family is, is God's design to nurture and prosper human beings. And the fact of the matter is, is that men like women and women like men, because I got a magical thing to tell you. Lady Nicole, Lady Nicole. That's how people are made. <laughs> you didn't know that? That's how people are made. So if that's how people are made, of course we're going to be a heteronormative society. That doesn't mean that members in our society who identify as homosexual or whatever should be mistreated or harmed or anything of that nature. And, and I will address that in another episode. And I, and I understand. We, you know, People want to be treated with kindness and respect. And then I know this is going to get mocked. But I have people I love and care about, friends and family members, who identify as gay and lesbian. I do. And I love them very much. And when I see them, I don't go, hey, did you read Romans 1? Hmm, 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 hmm. You know, I don't do that to them. I spend time with them. I love on them just like any of my other friends and family members who struggle with other sins. However, that does not mean that we restructure society. We restructure society in a way that goes against God's design. Again, you cannot call yourself a Christian and back Black Lives Matter after knowing what they're about. Now, if you're ignorant, I feel sorry for you, but it is your job to not be ignorant. But like I said before, it's a very common practice. I could call an organization, we are for the people, for the people. I could call my group for the people. It is like really a, 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 um, a group where we're trying to um, um, make it illegal to disagree with the president. Okay, it was this just came to my head. So I'm like, we're for the people. And you can't disagree with that president because it makes our nation stronger. When we're all unilateral, we're all like unilaterally in support of him. And we can't criticize him because he's for the people. And so when somebody says like, hey, wait a minute, lady, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, oh, so you're against for the people? <laughs> you're not for the people then, huh? You know, like, no, no, what you're doing is terrible. So don't get caught up in the name. And so I can get on and on about politics just from even even like how much we pay in taxes, how much our government is wasting money on things like, you know, even like when we talk about universal health care. In reality, if our government didn't toss away our money on a bunch of stupid stuff like enriching themselves and their friends, like in the coronavirus package, you had um, the House Democrats wanting to give money to the National Endowment of the Arts and the Kennedy Center and NASA. I'm like, wait a minute, what does this have to do with coronavirus? This is supposed to be a stimulus package for people who lost their jobs, their businesses and, and, and different things and people who are hurting and the, all the increased medical equipment for a new disease. That's what this is supposed to be about, not giving money to the Kennedy Center of Arts. This is nonsense in PBS. What? You know, so that money that they waste giving it to what we call pork. Many of you guys didn't take a political science class, but that's pork. So basically when they pass the bill, they know a bill that they know is going to pass. They throw a bunch of unnecessary money pet projects for their friends and supporters with taxpayer dollars. So if you got them paying off and giving money to their buddies, on the backs of the American people. That money they give to the Kennedy Center, that could go to pay for kids to go to college. That money could pay for all types of good things. And that money that our, our Congress waits really could, we could actually afford um, health care for everybody. But guess what? Our government wastes so much money and they're not going to stop. So I'm not going to support it because they're not going to stop wasting money on other stuff. They're not. We waste billions upon billions, if not trillions of dollars on other stuff. 
that no, 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 no. And then the other problem too, most Americans aren't taking care of themselves like this. Myself included, I'm working on it, but they're not. And so why should we have to pay for you because you won't stop eating hamburgers and french fries all day like no thanks anyway i'm not gonna get off into that but i get the point so politics is super duper important so those are the three areas that i will be mainly discussing my podcast is christian apologetics culture and politics um and so the show will air every tuesday and thursday at 7 p.m you can check in with live and if you miss the live you can listen on itunes google play and anywhere else they're gonna let me upload my podcast so like with itunes i think the first episode is um the first episode they don't i think upload your first episode i think i have to have a couple under my belt i'm not sure hopefully they'll take my episode zero i don't know and so this is what I hope to do every two two days a week. I initially I was gonna do it three days a week, but I said I don't know if people really want to listen to me three days a week. I think I'm a bit much, like straight up no chaser. Okay, I'm a bit much. All right, um, but at the same time, I, I felt like there's so much going on, and I have so much to say. I, I always have so much to say. Sometimes I have to stop myself. Like I'm one of those people. I talk a lot. If you haven't noticed. Well, it, this is a one-hour podcast, so of course I have to I have to be talking. Otherwise, it's like, why are you here? I'm just going to stare at you. But um, naturally, when the conversation, I can talk a lot. And I have to really watch at my time. And I have to really pay attention to the verbal cues of the person that I'm talking to. I watch heavily their verbal cues to know, okay, am I talking too much? Because I want to self-regulate. I don't want the person to like try to wiggle out of the room like, okay, yeah. You know that awkward, like, you need to be quiet. <laughs> so please check it out. Um, I have a website, www.christinacaramo.com, which is under construction. Even though I don't have an under construction sign, it, it, it's it's under construction. It is. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, my mom always says that uh, the uh, perfect is the enemy of the good. And I'm one of those people. I want to be perfect. And it's like, if I'm waiting for perfect, it ain't going to happen. So I just say, you know what? I got equipment. Let's let's launch. Let's just let's get this thing rolling. And so you can check out like my Facebook page. Um, it's called the Christina Caramo Project. I'm on Instagram, Caramo the Great. G-R and the number eight. That's me. And um, so, yeah, and my website, I told you so, you know, that's pretty much where I'll be uploading. Um, well, not on Instagram. I can't upload it, but I'll make announcements. But on Facebook and on my website and then to like I told you where else you can find me. So explain what I'm doing. So then for the last part of the show, I'm going to get into the why. Why am I doing this? Well, when it comes to Christian apologetics, why? What got my interest into that? I won't get into my personal life on the show. I'm not. I mean, a little bits here and there, but I'm not interested in like opening my heart. Like, let me tell you about all the pain I've experienced in life. I just not comfortable. Um, some of these relationships I have mended. Some of the people I deal with still, and I'm not interested in. Um, not, not, and I haven't been a sexual abuse victim before I go there. Just, I just thought I would put that out there before people get to wondering, no, that's not where I'm getting at. But just different things in my life um, I've experienced with people and, and, and things. I, I know that may sound crude for me to say that previous time. I'm just saying because typically when you say I've experienced horrible things in my life and some of the people, they still, that's like that's like one of the first things that comes to people's mind. I'm like, that's not the case. But I don't want to um, make myself sound like I've had it hard because I haven't. But 
I just have had, I mean, we all had trouble, but I'm saying I don't want to make it sound like, you know, some people I feel like pump up the pain in their life for, for likes and attention, you know, because when you have like a really good sob story, people love to tell like, oh my God, can you believe what happened to her? I, I just, I'm not, I'm not that person. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. But my, my point, my point is, is that I've had some experiences in my life and I've dealt with some people who really twisted scripture. I'll just put it like that. So I'm starting with why with the Christian apologetic. So I've dealt with some people who really twisted scripture for their own agenda. And um, over time, I, I'm like, what? That is it. And I start reading the Bible for myself. I'm like, well, I what it say. I'm like, wait a second. I what it say. You just twisted things. And so as time progressed, and, and I found that not only the people twisting scripture for their own agenda, but also you had a lot of people who believed their twists and therefore subsequently walked away from Christ. So I was like, wait a minute, this is a problem. And then also in college, which I will call out folks that I don't know personally or deal with personally anymore. That's totally fine. But um, when I was in college, I went to Oakland University, right there, Manchester, Michigan. And I had a, a women's in transition, I took a women's in transition class. And so my teacher, um, she was a witch. Yep, she was a witch. And she practiced what she called white magic. So if you're not aware, if you're not up on the whole things witchy, um, black magic is apparently what's the evil magic. And white magic is the good magic. So for example, like healings and helping people find their spirit guides or whatever else there is, you know, good things, bringing wealth and prosperity and love. That's what white magic is. Black magic. It's like casting spells and tormenting people. Guess what? It's all wicked. It's all from Satan, baby. Okay. But nevertheless, our teacher um, was a witch. And so just to give you an inclination of the class, like I remember she had a class assignment. It was a class assignment. And her class assignment was, I want you to bring in proof that the Bible and the Quran are against women. Now, the Quran, I can totally make a case because you just look at how, sorry not to be offensive to my Muslim friends, but just telling the truth. Um, when you look at the condition of most Muslim women in Islamic countries, tell me what it's like. It says, y'all, a lot about Islam. We'll get into that Islam another day. And remember, the criticism of any other religion is not to be like, look at those people there. No, the goal is to bring them to Christ. All my criticism of any group, whether it's Muslims, witches, Buddhists, Hindus, anybody, any religious group, any group, whether religious or not, the goal is to bring them to Christ Jesus. That is the total 100% objective. It's not just like, I'm so smart and you're so stupid. Boom. That's not it. So anyway, my teacher, she had us try to bring in evidence. I'm like, wait a minute, lady, that is not true. So I went and brought in evidence that the Bible supports and encourages women. And God is for women, okay? And um, he loves women. And I brought in scriptures talking about how a man is supposed to treat his wife, how he's supposed to love his wife. Or like, and I think it's in Ephesians 6 where it talks about like, um, I don't remember if I brought that particular scripture in. But like in Ephesians 6, how it talks about how like, hey, yes, a woman doesn't belong to herself. She belongs to her husband. But likewise, a man doesn't belong to himself. He belongs to his wife. His wife. And so it's like, yeah, for years you did have men who would read the you know, one-sided. Um, they would read all the instructions God gave to women and ignore the ones he gave to men. In fact, God gave more instructions to men than women. If you think about it in scripture, that's my a personal, um, from my study of scripture. But, you know she purposely was trying to take stuff out of context 
And so, nevertheless, me and this lady had this huge argument. And I was just like, I'm not going to sit here and let you disrespect God, okay? You know, a lot of things I can sit and deal with. Baby, you're not going to disrespect God in my presence. We're going, we're going to scrap. Okay, if you buy. All right? So, nevertheless, me and this lady, we were just, our teacher, we were just going at it. And she's, and I, and I, like, you are twisting scripture for your own agenda. I was like, you're just twisting the Bible to discredit it. So you have people like that too. Um, and she's like, well, the Bible promotes rape of women. Baby, you are full of lies. No, the Bible do not promote the rape of women because the scripture is clear, even in the Old Testament, if a man rape a woman, he gets stoned to death. He gets stoned to death. So what are you talking about? So how can God say if a man rape a woman, he gets stoned to death, but yet he promotes rape? What, what? And then the two cases in scripture I can think of off the top of my head um, with um, Jacob's sister, and the case of David's son who raped his sister, each guy who raped the woman got killed. So what are you talking about? She just lied. You know, so I saw two groups of people. I saw people who would twist the scripture to, and it, in many cases it would be men. Um, sorry, fellas. I'm a, feminism didn't come out of nowhere. I'm, we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to get a few things off my chest. Feminism didn't come out of nowhere. So you had lots of men who twist the Bible around to justify mistreating their wives. You have those group of men and people in general. They would twist scripture for their own agenda to control people. But you also have people who twist scripture to try to discredit God and try to discredit, you can't discredit God, number one. You foolish are trying to discredit the king of the universe, but whatever. Um, then you also have people who twist scripture, like I said, to discredit God, to discredit Christianity and things of that nature. And that's what my teacher was doing. So it was just wild. And and this lady, I remember once she tried to hypnotize our class. And I just could not believe my classmates sitting there allowing her to do this. This woman has already told us that she is a witch. She already told us she's a witch. And you guys are so stupid. And I'm going to say stupid. God forgive me if I'm wrong for saying it. You're going to sit there and let this woman hypnotize you. And I'm sitting there in my class looking around like these clowns. And they're just sitting there... So it's just happy to be outside. It's just happy to be outside. Like, no, this lady said she's a witch. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. So, so that those type of things, and I noticed that a lot of my friends and myself included, all the problems in my life can directly be tied to disobedience. Yep. I'm gonna admit that. Every problem I've ever had in my life. Like, my bigger problem, I am dry to these days. Now, it isn't a vanity thing. It is a bit of a vanity thing. But really, because I just want to be healthy. I'm 34 years old, and I just want to be in shape. I love sports. I'm going to buy me a pair of roller skates. I'm so excited. I love, I just like, I like swimming. Can't go to the pool because it's stupid coronavirus. I love swimming. I just, I love to be active. I was, my thing, I like to play basketball, but I fractured my nose like two years ago. And I'm like, I can't have a crooked nose. I can't, I already got a little bit of a bump. You can't see my turn to the side. Got a little bit of a bump from getting my nose fractured. And yeah, not again, not again. So it's, and two, I don't want to get like an ankle broke or anything like that. So I, um, I'm trying to get into more solo sports. So like um, swimming more, um, I'm going to swim, um, also roller skating. I got a bump shoulder. So some sports that are called do require a lot of this. It's hard for me to do, but um, things like that. Okay. So I lost my train of thought. Why was I bringing that up? I kind of forgot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I forgot. I, was, I don't know why I got off and talking about sports. <laughs> so like, but um, so yeah. So initially, what I was saying is why I got into Christian apologetics. Oh, oh, oh! I remember. I was just talking about myself getting into shape, right? Um, to God says us not to be glut. Gluttony is a sin, right? Because it's bad for your joints. Like I forgot, like for every like three pounds you carry, like put so much pressure on your knees, especially as a woman, because our hips spill out. Um, it it can cause um really bad knee problems. And so why am I saying this? So that problem I have, um, wanting to get healthy, because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be, like, most disease, most chronic disease, like, I want to say, like, probably 80% of chronic disease is, like, 100% preventable. I'm not talking about people with stuff like MS and stuff like that, or, you know, diseases like that. So some, we live in a fallen world. There's something called natural evil. There's human evil and there's natural evil. So, you know, some things are totally, like, beyond just, we live in a fallen world. It's just messed up. It's just the way it is. Um, but, there are, are some, most diseases, totally preventable. So people don't want to submit their diets to God. Just that simple. And what I mean by submitting your diet to God is God told us don't be a glutton. And then you do it anyway. Now you got, you can't breathe. You're struggling to walk around. You're sweating all the time and all this. Okay, disobedience. So we can take something like that or how you manage your money. Scripture tells us the borrower is slave to the lender. Or some of your your sex lives. That's to me most people's problem is y'all sex lives are absolutely out of control. So you got babies with these people. You got your herpes. You got all these STDs you're dealing with because you you sexually haven't crucified yourself. To you haven't sexually crucified yourself. You get what I'm saying. I guess maybe I'm wording that wrong, but what I'm trying to say is you're still living in rebellion against God, and you have all these problems because you didn't follow His simple command of like don't have sex outside of marriage. You know that is still fornication is still a sin. In case you forgot. Just thought I would remind you guys. Still a sin. Still a sin. So I, I noticed that and I'm just like, dude, if we just like listen to God, our life would be better. And I just realized that just a bunch of stuff. And then people would say so many false statements about scripture. And I'm like, oh, this is ridiculous. And and I'm learning more. I'm like, so much evidence to be a Christian. It's it's crazy. So that's what got me into apologetics. Um, it's a longer story. Um, I only got like 10 minutes left, and so I'm going to wrap it up soon. Um, but that's what got me into Christian apologetics. And then as far as that's why, because I, I was like, you know, this is bad. You know, people need to follow Jesus. And I'm looking at the lives of a lot of my friends and family members, which I will never get into on air. That is Jackie. If not. But I just noticed a lot of issues that my family and friends were dealing with. I'm like, whoa, like. You are literally causing your own problem. Like, you ever had this friend? And, I, and I've been that friend, too. So let's not let it twist it. Um, you're like, dude, if you will just do this, the problem you're complaining about will go away. But they just kept, like, making stupid choices. And it's just like, oh, my God. If you just follow the it won't be so bad. So, um, yeah. That's what got me into apologetics. Now, as far as the culture component, why I'm so focused on culture. Oh, my God. This is... <laughs> so, as I said before, it's the way I define culture, I know that some may disagree with my definition, but, hey, in postmodern culture, we're redefining everything, so I'm going to attach my definition to culture. Um, it's, it's, I've noticed our culture is so broken, and I can really see how the culture is really come synonymous with the world. And how bad ideas are being promulgated in society is through the culture and really through arts, entertainment, and media.
Notice how I talked earlier about the NBA, the reason in pushing Black Lives Matter, why do you think the NBA is pushing Black Lives Matter? Because they're a huge cultural force. They're a huge cultural force. So when you get the culture to push ideas, it becomes more popular amongst the people. Because that's why we have even words like subculture. So you have like a dominant culture and you have subcultures. Okay, so like in America, we have the American culture, like America. But then you have sub-ethnic cultures. You like have African Americans, you have Asian Americans and different subcultures. You have like even amongst uh, white Americans, you have still like you have Irish Americans and Italian Americans. So those are like the subcultures. And even like you can tell the difference until you get to a different group or a um, you're around a, a bunch of like Chaldean Americans, even though they're Americans, but still they have different ways because that's the subculture within a culture. So the American culture as a whole is being really hedonistic and it's really a rejecting God. And it's really encouraging people to just walk in constant rebellion. I can think as a millennial, yes, millennials are the best, just saying. But, you know, just as a millennial, I can think of growing up um, you know, MTV. When I was a kid, my mom at a certain point, she used to, we could watch like MTV, BET, all the like music channels, VH1, and she didn't really care. But at a certain point, she was like, wait a minute, these, these music videos are pretty nasty. And it wasn't just the music videos, like MTV, they didn't even play music anywhere. I haven't watched MTV in years. But at some point, they quit playing videos and it was just like TV shows. And they were like really raunchy TV shows. And the TV shows are really encouraging, like, you know, and that's what messed a lot of people up when going to college. You would watch these shows and they would act like, where are you at spring break? And it would be partying and drinking and dancing at college. It's like, oh, this is what college is about? I want to go. You know, and no, no, no. And that's why I, had, I lost my scholarship. That's another story in itself. But with the wrong perceptions of adulthood and we were really being taught in the culture, in the mainstream culture to just rebel, you know, like rap music, you know. It just is like, blank that woman, you know, <laughs> trying to find the words, <laughs> but just have sex with that girl. And, you know, that sounds so PG from what they really say, but you, come on, we adults, we already know what they're saying. There's real, really vulgar ways of talking about sex. And it's not with the nice lady that you gave your life to before God is that, that freak. Okay. I'm trying to say the, the right words. Okay. Or if you listen to a lot of um, pop music, you know, it's just very superficial, but then they use the pop stars to push their hedonism. Like girl power and abortion. Yeah. Women. You know, so they do that with pop music and a lot of rock music is like straight up Satanism, you know, just like give yourself to the darkness, you know. So the music has been used as a tool. Um, and even in country music, I've heard a phrase called bro country, you know, which is like not my pickup truck and I lost my dog. It's like my pickup truck when I got these three chicks in the back I'm taking home and we're going to drink beer and have a night together. So. It's all the entertainment, the movies, like, and, and this is a thing too, like even our movies. And, and this is the thing I, I have had to, God has to deal with me on my entertainment. Like I, again, I don't want to keep resting on that. I'm a millennial, but just my nature, I kind of have a libertine attitude naturally and things don't really offend me. And I'm not really offended or bothered by things. I'm like, okay, whatever. You just want to take your shirt off. Okay, fine. That's weird, but whatever. I'm going to go about my day. But just a lot of the entertainment is um, really vulgar. And it just contains this constant gratuitous sex. It's, it's just, it's ridiculous, you know? And um, 
like every you just watching TV, watching the movie, and the next scene is like a butt cheek. Like, what was that all about? How did that advance the plot and the storyline? Like, I'm actually more offended that you chose such a weak thing to titillate the audience instead of actually progressing the story along. I'm more offended by that than the actual behind that I saw. And but however, God is more offended by the behind than the poor attempt to advance the story. That's yeah, we got to conform our ways to his. But the thing about it is a lot of television shows and movies, and don't you hate it when you're watching a good show? It's like, dang, I want to watch this show, but I just cannot stand the constant oral sex scene that you just keep showing. I don't want to keep seeing that, you know? And But that's what's going on with our television. But guess what? What happens when you're a young person watching it? It impacts you. So it, it's really affecting the culture. And we don't have a Christ-centered culture anymore. So I don't really think we ever had. We like to think we did, but that's another that's another story in itself. But, you know, that's what's going on. And so the culture has to be attacked at all fronts. To me, that's actually, even in the context of Christian apologetics, my focus is more so cultural apologetics. And even when I talk about science, I talked about that a little earlier. And I, I got to move on. I got like three minutes left. But um, that that is a problem. You know, it's just... It's our culture is just really toxic and it's being used as the weapon to pull people away from God. That's what's being used. Because the way our culture is, is determining people's theology, not the Bible. The way our culture is, what our culture is pushing determines people's politics, not truth. Um, And what's determining people's culture is Satan and not God. That is what's happening, purely. It's pure wickedness. It's pure satanic influence all throughout the culture and people cannot see it. And lastly, when it comes to politics, why am I involved in politics? Because politics determines every aspect of your life as far as your earthly life here, as far as what you can and cannot do in this realm. Again, that's not to deny the power of God. And let me say what politics, I'm talking about from a worldly sense, okay? From a worldly sense, politics determines so much of your life and, and our freedoms to freely spread the gospel, our freedom to live the lives we enjoy. You know, even as a person in the ministry, I still do other things that aren't necessarily ministry related. And I want to enjoy my life. I want to have a good time. I want to have fun. What I'm saying, I, don't, I a lot of times our idea of having a good time is getting wasted. That's not, again, what I'm talking about. Of course, it's not what I'm talking about. But just basic things. I want to get up and go shopping and have a good time. I want to have enough money in my bank account. I want to enjoy my life. Okay? And determining on the politics of the nation, that can really impact that. And so, and I just want a prosperous nation. And I want our succeeding generations to have a great America. Um, yeah, I'm so going to say about that. And that's what got me interested in politics. And I'll leave that there. So I'm going to wrap it up. And I don't have a fun fact for you today. Um, I don't. But just have a great day. Have a great weekend. And I will see you again Tuesday. So thank you for tuning in to Solid Food. And make sure you join me again for the next episode on Tuesday. And be sure to check out my website, www.ChristinaCaramo.com. Just so you know. Ooh, that rhymes. I'm gonna use that again. At gmail.com on Facebook at the Christina Caramo Project on Instagram at Caramo the Great. That G-R and the number eight. And remember to be brave and be bold because the gospel of Jesus Christ must be told. Toodles. Bye, bye.